a surgeon. <laughs> I want to thank you for all your prayers. Last week I had, uh, last Thursday I had three stents and a balloon done and they sent me home. I thought maybe the balloon was for celebration. I, I don't know. Anyway, very thankful for all of your prayers. Each of us is walking on an adventure, a path. It is vital that we walk the path that Jesus has for us and to be led and to be guided by his spirit. As we walk that path, as we progress on our personal journeys, there are moments in which we desperately need his presence, his healing, and his guidance. Encounters with the living Christ through his spirit are vital to your spiritual health. I said encounters with the living Christ by his spirit are vital to your spiritual health. We can't do it alone. We can't do it in our own strength. You see, each of us starts the adventure of the Christian life with an experience with Jesus. We come to the realization of our need for salvation and we discover that he is the only way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, say no man, no man comes to the Father but by me. There's no other way to start this adventure. I thought of that as the puppet was up here. And there's no way to successfully walk this path except through frequent encounters with Christ by His Spirit. When we look at Pentecost and the coming of the promised Holy Spirit, we see that Jesus had promised a comforter, a helper, a friend from above. In fact, Jesus said that he must go to the Father so that he might send this gift of the Holy Spirit to be with us. Jesus said, I got to go to the Father. I'm going to send you my spirit. I hope you understand that. I hope you realize the, the theological significance of the fact that Jesus had to be at the right hand of the Father and was going to send the spirit to to empower and to inhabit his people. This morning, we are going to look at four occasions in this earthly ministry of Jesus where he intersected the lives of people in need. These encounters with Christ are examples of people whose only hope, say only hope, say it again, only hope. I want you to think of those words as we look at these four encounters that Jesus had this morning. Their only hope 
was a touch from the Creator. Their only hope was not in medicine. It was not in philosophy. It was not in religion. It was not in religious tradition. They each needed a specific encounter with Jesus to meet their need. Point one and, and scripture number one. What I'm going to do is we're going to look at these four passages of the scripture and I'm going to teach them to us as we go. All right. Point number one. There are times in which we just need to cry out to Jesus. We just need to cry out to Jesus. Luke chapter 18 is our passage here, beginning in verse 35. Luke 18, beginning in 35, it says, As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening, and they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. I have good news, friends. We no longer have to wait for Jesus to pass by. We no longer have to wait. He is here, and his spirit is ever-present with us as believers. Now, the crowd, the crowd is passing by. <laughs> The crowd is passing by. They are following the trends. They are checking out the latest thing to hit the news. They're curious about who this teacher and prophet is. Friend, let the crowd pass. Jesus is here. Let the crowd pass by. The beggar calls out, verse 38, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. <laughs> Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, saying, Son of David, have mercy on me. That same crowd might tell you that you're too loud. That same crowd might tell you that you're too intense. That crowd might tell you that you're too spiritual. You're too religious. You're too into Jesus. That crowd may tell you to be quiet. The crowd may tell you that you're just a poor beggar. And that your situation will never get better. Just give up and be quiet. But Jesus is here, and he loves to hear your cry. I said, Rose, he loves to hear your cry. He's not bothered, nor are we, by you crying out to the Lord or any of us. Amen? The crowd wanted him to quiet down. You're disturbing our, our lovely little procession here. You're bothering the teacher. Just, just, just put up with it. 
<laughs> beggar would have none of it. Continued to cry out. Jesus is here, friend, and he wants you to hear. He wants to hear you call out to him. Sometimes we just have to cry out to Jesus. Verse 40. Verse 40. We are in Luke 18. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see. He provided. The first two words of this verse should be an incredible encouragement to you. What's it say? Jesus stopped. Friend, that's powerful. That's powerful. He wasn't too busy to hear the cry of a beggar. He stopped. His travel agenda did not overrule compassion. The, the peer pressure of the crowd did not weigh in on what Jesus was about to do. He stopped. Say stopped. Oh, friend, get that today. Get that into your spirit today. Jesus stopped for that beggar. His agenda wasn't more important. His schedule wasn't more important than that poor man standing next to the road. The pressure of the crowd wasn't more important than that poor man begging along the road. Jesus saw him and what did he do? What did he do? Did he, have you got it? Have you got it? If you don't get anything else today. He stopped. He stopped. Because he cares about you. He cares about you. He cares about you. More than he cares about some other agenda. Wow. We could stop here, but I'm not going to. Jesus stopped. I love that, you guys. It's so simple. Some of these simple words, that's, that could be flyover territory, couldn't it be? You could go right by that. Jesus stopped and, whoa, 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 just a second. Hold on, hold on a minute. He, he, was, he was on a path. He was moving. He was headed somewhere, but he... All right, I think you got it now. Jesus stopped. He wasn't too busy to hear the cry of a beggar. He stopped to care for one of the least of these that Jesus was prone to talk about. I like how Jesus gets right to it here. <laughs> he looks at that guy and he says, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? He doesn't ask about the beggar's moral character. He doesn't check on his ancestry. He doesn't check on his church membership. He doesn't ask what he believes about salvation or about the end times. He looks at him and he says, What do you want to 
me to do for you. He, he doesn't ask where he hangs out on the weekend or with who. He simply looks at the man and he sees a need and he says, what do you want me to do for you? No, no prerequisites. What was the, what was the qualification of the beggar in Jesus' eyes? What was his qualification? He had a need. <laughs> he had a need. That was his qualification. That was why Jesus stopped. And looked at him and said, what do you want me to do for you? Didn't beat around the bush, did he? Got right at it. He simply asks, what do you want me to do for you? Everything, listen, friends, everything that the crowd uses to judge a person is dismissed here. Not even part of the conversation. Not in consideration. No prerequisites, no qualification. Jesus sees the man, hears his cry, and gets to the point of his need. That's our Jesus, friend. That's our Jesus. Whew. My goodness. Verse 42. Jesus said to him, these are remarkable words, friend. Highlight these. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Whoa! Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight, and he started following Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. We see this idea in all four of these passages this morning. Jesus says, receive your sight, but he also says, your faith has healed you. What a statement by the great physician. What a statement by the great Savior. What a statement by the great creator. Note he doesn't say, he doesn't say here, I have healed you. He says here, your faith has healed you. Wow! Obviously, it's the healing power of Jesus at work here. Yes, certainly. But faith is that unseen aspect of God's plan for healing and for deliverance, and for salvation. I said, faith is the unseen aspect of God's plan for healing, his plan for deliverance, and God's plan for salvation. It is a vital component to the Holy Spirit's freedom to move in your life. Faith. The Bible says that by grace you are saved through what? Through faith. And it says that without faith, a man cannot please God. The combination, listen, the combination of, of God's power and your faith 
the combination of God's power, that's the recipe, the combination of God's power and your faith is what it takes to heal and to deliver and to guide and to provide. Note that the formerly blind beggar, say formerly, the formerly blind beggar gave glory and praise to God and that the crowd did as well. Friend, when God does something in your life, those around you need to hear the story. Huh? Those around you need to hear the story, and y'all, or in Tennessee they'd say all y'all, all y'all give glory to God. Man, we ought to stop and go home, Rhonda. Number two, there are times when we just need to reach out and touch Jesus. We need to reach out and touch Jesus. Look at Luke chapter 8, beginning 42. As Jesus was on his way, there he is again. What's he doing? He's on his way. The crowds almost crushed him. There's our crowd again. There's Jesus and there's the crowd. A woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his coat, and immediately she was healed. Her bleeding stopped. She came up behind him. I want you to get that. And she just touched the hem of his garment, and she was healed. Here's our crowd again, amen? They almost crushed the teacher, it says. But in the midst of the crowd, this time it's not somebody along the road. This time it's in the midst of the crowd, someone had a need. I'm here to tell you, in the midst of every crowd, someone has a need. In the midst of every group, someone's struggling. In this society today, are you kidding me? In the midst of every crowd, someone has a need. This poor lady had suffered for years, and the, and the docs didn't have an answer. She went to all the specialists. She went down to Christ Hospital to see Dr. Frizzell, and he couldn't help her. She must have heard some, somewhere she, she got a second opinion. She, she heard about this Jesus who gives second opinions. <laughs> so, somewhere, somewhere she heard about this Jesus character and something, something guys, something rose up inside her. Some, something surfaced within her. She'd heard about this Jesus. So what'd she do? She had good elbows. She elbowed her way through the crowd. Have you elbowed your way through a crowd lately? I have to do that some Thursday nights at the Whippy Dip around the corner here. I got to elbow my way to the window. Something rose. Listen, in that woman, a little, there was a little spark there. Remember a couple of months ago we talked about hopelessness? This woman's a picture of hopelessness. 
She is right dead center in the middle of hopelessness. And, and, and somewhere, somehow, a spark that named Jesus, this Jesus of Nazareth, could it be true? So, so she started by, by getting into the crowd, getting, following the crowd. I, I want to go along. I want to see what's going on here. I want, I want to see what is happening. And, and, and she, it says she was in the midst of a crowd, and she, she elbowed. She pushed her way through the crowd. Those, her, those who knew her must have thought, there she goes again, desperate for your cure. There, there she is in desperation again. Those who knew her. Like our beggar in the previous story. They must have thought, just give it up and go back home and live with it. A compassionate believer in Jesus, don't you ever say that about someone. I'm not going to rebuke you much. But I got to tell you, that's the depth. Be quiet. Just go, just, just go live with it. Don't you dare. She was desperate. She was desperate for a cure. And, and, and they told her to give it up. But she pressed in. Say pressed in. She pressed in. Just hoping for a touch and believing for a difference. Do you think she would have bothered to touch his garment if she didn't believe that something was going to happen? She made her way up. She elbowed her way through the crowd. I got a feeling someone caught one in the ribs as she made her way up through there. And she's, you know, you ever make yourself skinnier so you can get through the crowd? You know, I, I, my, my, sorry, my sick mind just thinks that stuff. I just envision this woman trying to get through the crowd. And, and what's the goal? The goal is, I, if I can just... Verse 45, Jesus said, who touched me? Jesus asked, and they all denied it. Our buddy Peter, good old Peter. Peter pops up, he says, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. Of course someone touched you. Huh? But Jesus said, someone touched me. And I know that power has gone out from me. Here again are our friends in the crowd. They even berate the master a little bit here. They say, come on, man, of course somebody touched you. There's a whole crowd around you. Of course somebody brushed up against you. But Jesus knew that something special had happened. Stop here for a second. You are not just another face in the crowd. You. God knows you. He created you. Even the hairs on your little head are numbered. He knows you, he created you, and he loved you. It wasn't just another brush against someone in the crowd. Someone came with a need, and with just a little faith, 
And that, friends, is what it takes. Don't give up. Don't give up, my friend. Jesus knows who you are, and he knows what you need. I said he knows who you are, and he knows what you need. Jesus knew that something special had happened. Verse 47, then the woman, realizing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. And in the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to you, daughter, <laughs> your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Sound familiar? Jesus knew the importance of confessing, verbalizing, telling what happened. Remember we talked in the last passage. The blind beggar told everyone what happened. He let it be known that he could see. And they all rejoiced together. I think some rejoicing took place here. There is an importance, friend, in confessing, in telling the story, in verbalizing, in actually saying it, in telling others what happened. And again, we see this incredible, remarkable statement in these passages. Your faith has healed you. Jesus says something special happened. I know it. And when finally she's there and she's trembling, she's thinking the master's mad at her. The master's not mad at her. The teacher's not mad at her. She's not about to take a ruler and smack her on the knuckles. The teacher loves this child that had a need. And he knows that she's been touched. And he looks at her and he says, Daughter, go in peace. Your faith has healed you. Let me say a word about go in peace. Most of us aren't traveling around in peace these days. I'll tell you what, there's a whole society out there that has, that has no concept of peace. Jesus, can you imagine? Jesus looks her in the eyes and says, Daughter, your faith has healed you. What? Do what? Go in peace. If you're a child of Jesus this morning, if you're under the umbrella of mercy that we've talked about, you can walk in peace. Hallelujah. She wasn't just going to walk in peace because she had been healed of this disease. This woman was going to walk in peace because she had met Jesus. And I want to say to you, you can walk a life of peace if you have encountered the Master. Your faith has healed you. Number three, sometimes you just need 
to get to where you can see Jesus. <laughs> it's an odd point for a preacher. Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. I love this story. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. There he is again. What's he doing? He's on the move. Say he's on the move. Jesus is on the move. He's passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But he was short. He could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he did what? Remember? He climbed a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was headed that way. I love this story. It's probably one of the most remembered Bible stories of my childhood besides Christmas and the Easter Bunny. The song called Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man. Through the years, I kind of felt sorry for the guy. This text says he wanted to see who Jesus was. And here's our crowd again. Say crowd. Here's our crowd again. Amen. Jesus is passing through. The crowd is there. Zacchaeus can't get a glimpse because he's too short. Here's our crowd again. And, and, and someone is there that wants to get to Jesus. Seeing a theme here? I'm preaching a series in one message, amen? So what, what was it that caused Zacchaeus to do the ridiculous thing of climbing a tree? The crowd most likely knew who he was, being a tax collector. The crowd would certainly get a chuckle out of it, maybe even a sneer. But, but Zach was determined. You don't mind if I call him Zach for a moment, do you? He was beyond curious. He must have been somewhat obsessed with getting a look at Jesus. Or, or maybe, just maybe, he had a little faith that this Jesus would make a difference in his life, would make a difference in his life. So what did he do? He scampered up a tree. Verse 5. Oh, by the way, he scampered up a tree in advance of the crowd getting there, it seems to infer, doesn't it? He was getting ready. I've heard about this Jesus. I want to get a look at him. Up in the tree I go. <laughs> and there he was. And it says that when Jesus reached the spot, and can you visualize this? There's Jesus, the teacher. There's his disciples forming a bodyguard arc around him. And there's... The, the crowd, and there's our friends, the crowd, and they're, and they're following along, and Jesus is on the way. And it says, when he reached the spot, he looked up. There goes my water. 
Just water. No worries about the carpet. I must be pounding on the pulpit too much today. Remember he stopped? This time, what's it say? He looked up. And inferred here is, I think inferred here is he stopped. He stopped and looked up. And there was Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A, I don't know if he knew the song. He might, might have. Might have known the song. Jesus reached the spot. He looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down from there immediately. You look ridiculous. He didn't say you look ridiculous. Come down here immediately. I want to stay at your house today. So he came down. Zacchaeus came down from the tree. And he welcomed him gladly. Zacchaeus' house was two blocks down and around the corner from the sycamore tree, by the way. It was right along the main road. And, but, but Zacchaeus didn't live right by the main road. He, they had to go and... Uh, don't mind. He came down at once. And he welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this. Verse 7. They began to mutter, saying, He's going to be the guest of a sinner. Remember what Zacchaeus' trade was. He was a tax collector, and they were well known for being corrupt and, and stealing whenever they could from the people. He's going to be the guest of a sinner, they said. He welcomed Jesus into his home, and I think his entourage as well. I think Jesus and his disciples were now hanging out in the living room at Zach's house. Zacchaeus stood up and he says to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now, I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Make no mistake, friend, when you encounter Jesus, you're going to be uncovered. You're going to be discovered. You're going to be known. Remember? He looked, and he saw him. And guess what? <laughs> he knew him. Didn't he? He knew him. And and Zacchaeus knew that he knew him. I, I, think, I think Zacchaeus knew in his heart of hearts, this guy knows he's read my mail. Huh? Jesus says to him, look at this, verse 9, today salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. This is a similar scenario. Jesus stops and takes notice. Zacchaeus was not just another face in the crowd. Zacchaeus was not just another guy in the bleachers. But it isn't physical healing that we read about here. It is the spiritual transformation. Say transformation transformation of a man and his family that takes place because of a ridiculous effort to climb a tree. Yeah. 
And then the exhibition of love from, from Jesus, from the Savior. Jesus invites himself to dinner and stays over. Our friends in the crowd aren't very happy about who he's keeping company with, are they? So what must have been the conversation like around the table and out on the deck by the pool after dinner at Zach's house? Jesus and a few disciples sprinkled in and, 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 and Zacchaeus' family, I don't know if a wife and maybe an aunt and uncle that lived, they lived around the other corner there. And, and they maybe came over because they heard there was a house guest and they were having, and they were having meatloaf. I, I don't know. Jesus went to the house and it says today salvation is come to this house. I don't know, I doubt that Zacchaeus had any idea when he climbed up that tree to get a glimpse of Jesus that his whole life and his whole family's life was about to change. Don't you love stories where one person in a family gets saved and the rest of the family catches on? Keep praying, my friend. Jesus said salvation has come to this house. Believe in faith for the salvation of your home. He will bring it to pass. Have faith. Remember, your faith has, your faith has, your faith has. Number four. Sometimes there are circumstances when you need someone to bring you to Jesus. There are other vital situations when you have the opportunity to bring someone to Jesus. Luke 5 beginning in 17. One day Jesus was teaching. Well, he's not passing by today. Today he's teaching. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. They had, they had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. There's our crowd, amen? And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying, say carrying, carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. Man, isn't it great to have good friends? <laughs> isn't it great to have friends? Do any of you have a couple of friends beside you who would care enough for you to try to push through, there's our crowd again, and get you to Jesus. It, it says that the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. God was moving. God was changing. God was delivering. God was healing. Stuff was happening. And, and, and this guy's buddies, they're the buddies of the, parallels guy, or of the paralyzed guy, and they pick him up on a mat and they say, we got to get him there. Why do we got to get him there? Because stuff is happening, because God is moving, and the whole town knows about it. And so they, who'd they think of? They thought of their paralyzed friend. 
and they, and they scooped him up, and they headed for the house. I asked you a moment ago, do any of you have a couple of friends beside you who would care enough to get you to Jesus? I think these friends had faith. I think they truly believed that if they could get their dear friend in front of Jesus, that he would walk out of that place carrying his mat. I think they visualized the picture. His buddy Joe was up on the front right corner carrying the mat. And, and, and all the way, Joe's thinking, I, I can just see him getting up on his feet, rolling up his mat, and getting out of that place. <laughs> it takes a friend it takes a friend as for the man as for the paralyzed man sometimes we are so paralyzed that we don't even know which direction to go for help Have you ever met anybody so paralyzed? Maybe not physically paralyzed, but spiritually and, and emotionally paralyzed, so paralyzed they didn't know where to go for help. But he had some friends. <laughs> he had some friends. Takes a friend or some friends sometimes to get someone back on track. Are you with me? It takes a couple of friends sometimes to get someone back on track. It takes a couple of friends to do something extraordinary to get you in front of the healer. So, let them do it. Your pride and your self-sufficiency is the barrier the blockade that may be preventing you from being delivered from this thing that is torturing you. You're too proud to ask for help. There have been some rough moments in this one, kids. I've seen it over and over again. People who are too stubborn and too proud to allow those who love them to do something extraordinary to help. Have you ever seen that? How sad. <laughs> but these friends, <laughs> these friends would not be deterred. They would not be stopped. They were going to get their friend in front of Jesus, weren't they? Verse 19. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd... What did they do? They took the cues from Zacchaeus and they went up on the roof and they lowered him on his map through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Can you see that picture? There's a whole bunch of folks sitting around. Jesus is in the, I visualize Jesus in the middle of the room and he's, and he's teaching and he's sharing the great truth of the, of the gospel and he's teaching and suddenly down from above... What's that? Comes a guy on a mat. 
the friends went to extreme lengths to help their buddy. Somebody say extreme lengths. Friends, somebody, somebody may need you. Somebody may need you to do something out of the ordinary and something extreme to minister to them. They may need you. Are you there? Are you positioned? Are you positioned personally in such a place of your sensitivity that you could see it if it was right in front of you? Somebody that needs something extraordinary, something way out of the ordinary, something down through the roof weird, out of context. They need help at a level that you can't imagine providing, but you're the one. You're the one. Sometimes it takes more than you think you have the resources for. Some, sometimes you may think it doesn't have what it takes to help your friend, to help this person that so desperately is in need. Jesus is calling you, friend, to be that friend, the four guys around the mat. Now, one of them had to go to Home Depot because they didn't have any rope. They got some of that good nylon rope. You know the stuff I'm talking about? The, the, the stuff that's like uh, ski tow rope. If you've ever water skied, there's, there's a rope that they use. It's, it's made out of, out of nylon or fiberglass, and it's strong as all get out, and you, can, and you can tie it up, and you can prep it. And somebody had to go to Home Depot, and you had 80 feet of nylon rope to tie it to the corners of our friend's mat. Am I doing all right? I think they picked the guy who had the Home Depot card. It just makes sense to me. Huh? And they, and they take the rope, and he, I think he's already got a mat that he's been laying on, but they figure out how to attach a piece of rope to the corners, and up they go. The friends went to extreme lengths to help their buddy. With your faith, listen, with your faith and God's strength, he will make sure you have what you need to get help for your friend. I don't know if you've thought about this stuff. I don't know if you've thought about, am I, do I have what it takes to, to take care of this friend who's so deeply in need? I've, I've tried, I've I mean, is, is there something extraordinary? It says they lowered him down on his mat. Where'd they place him? Right in front of Jesus. See, somehow, somehow, these four guys knew, had faith. Somebody say, had faith had faith that if they could get their friends somehow, some way, in front of Jesus, something's going to happen. Why, why, was it, why, why did they believe that? Because they had heard the stories all over the place. They might have heard the story of the blind beggar. They might have heard the story of the woman 
with the, with the disease of blood. They might have heard those stories, and they're, and they're hearing that everywhere this guy goes, something special happens, and these guys goes, this is our, this is our answer for our, for our buddy who we can't wait to see him get up and walk. Look at verse 20. Blow this one out of the water. When Jesus saw what? Hold on, whoa, 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 just a second. Not when Jesus saw the poor, paralyzed man on the mat. It's not what it says, is it? It says when he... Are you seeing a pattern here? When he saw their faith, he was so, he was so moved by the faith of these guys... I don't know if the paralyzed guy had any faith. I, I, it doesn't say that, does it? His four buddies did. In fact, they had enough to get the job done. They had enough faith and enough rope from Home Depot to get the job done. Look what the, <laughs> there, here comes our crowd. Our crowd is about to chime in. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Forgive sins? Are you kidding me? Go up and read that verse again. Verse 20, he looked at him and he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. <gasps> what was the true need that the paralyzed man had. What was the real need? What's the real need of the human condition? What's the real need of the person walking around our streets today? What's the real need? Jesus looks at him and he says, your sins are forgiven. <laughs> the Pharisees went ballistic. Are you kidding me? This guy forgives sins now. So he's not only healing them, but he's getting them to heaven. <laughs> I love it when Jesus just tweaks the, the Pharisees. He, Jesus, Jesus knew he was, they were thinking these things in their hearts. Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? Here's one of those great questions that Jesus asked the Pharisees. We ought to do a series. Steve, we ought to do a series on, on questions that Jesus looked at the Pharisees and asked them. I think that'd be some good stuff. You can, you can do the intro. <laughs> Which is easier? To say your sins are forgiven, or to say get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sin. In the midst, listen, in the midst of all this, part of the process that Jesus is on is establishing the authority of who he is. You all right? says to the, paralyzed, to the paralyzed man, I tell you, 
get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately, say immediately. Immediately he stood in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe. And he said, we have seen remarkable things today. <laughs> Started with some guy being let, <laughs> let down from the ceiling on, on ropes on his mat. Remarkable things, amen? Remarkable things. We've seen the remarkable faith of a couple of friends who said, if we can just get him to Jesus. We've seen the remarkable faith of Zacchaeus who said, if I can just get up in the tree where I can see him. We've seen the remarkable faith of the woman with the 12-year disease who elbowed her, her way through the crowd until she could touch the hem of his garment. We've seen the remarkable faith of that blind beggar who knew if he just kept crying out, if he kept crying out, if he kept crying out, Jesus would notice. Your faith has healed you. Everyone was amazed. Everyone gave praise to God. What step of faith do you need to take to break through to help a friend? What step of faith do you need to take to elbow your way through the crowd to get to Jesus? What, what step of cry of faith, cry out to the Lord, do you need to take so that you get the ear of Jesus? Now, please understand. Please understand that Jesus is with us and he is within prayer earshot of you all the time. And, and I'm not saying you need to find your way to the Holy Land and, and find that sycamore tree and climb up the... I'm, I'm not... I am saying that you need to position yourself in a position of active faith. Steve, that might be another sermon. You need to position yourself in a position of faith. Hebrews says that faith is what you know but have not yet seen. Scott's paraphrase. Faith is what you know. <laughs> Pastor Tim Kufeld used to say, I, I know because I know it in my knower. I know it in my knower. I know it down deep in my knower that I know. <laughs> faith is... Faith is a substance of things you have yet seen. It's real. It's substance. You haven't yet seen it. God has spoken it. God has promised it. He will bring it. He will bring it to pass. You need to position yourself in that position of faith. You need to position yourself in a position of faith for your friend. Get in that position so that you can be you may say, I don't, I don't have anything to give. I, I just, I don't, I don't have anything. I don't know how to admit. I'll tell you what. If God has put someone on your heart, if God has put someone on your mind and on your heart and in your prayers, he will give you 
what is needed to minister effectively to that person's life. A couple of points to ponder this morning. Number one, desperation should lead to complete dependence on God. The blind beggar, he was desperate. The woman with the disease, she was hopeless. Zacchaeus, he was confused. Paralyzed man, the only thing he had was friends. He couldn't even get up from his mat. Desperation should lead to dependence. Say that. Desperation should lead to dependence. Number two, do whatever you need to do to encounter Jesus. Might be ridiculous. Might seem ridiculous. I'm pretty sure it's going to seem ridiculous to someone else. Do whatever you need to do to position yourself to get with Jesus. Thirdly, we need each other. Hello. The paralyzed guy didn't have a chance of healing without Jesus. He didn't have a chance to get to Jesus without his four buddies. We need each other. And lastly, Jesus is still our only hope. Mm. Mm. Jesus is still our only hope. I want to hear a story in the next months of when you stepped out, of when God positioned you in faith and you said, here's what I'm called to do, here's, what, here's where I can be effective, here's who I can minister to, here's what I can do for them. I want to hear a story. I'd like to hear a bunch of them, but I'll be pretty happy to hear one. Because I think we're living our own self-centered lives instead of the selflessness lives that we've been talking about. We're busy going about. We're rolling with the crowd. We're climbing the ladder. We're doing all this stuff. And somebody needs our help to get to Jesus. To get to Jesus. Father, help us to be who we need to be just exactly. Help us to be Jesus for someone. So that they might find their way to the Father, so that they might see Jesus, so that they might touch Jesus, so that they might cry out to Jesus, and so that salvation might come to their house. Thank you, Lord, that we can operate in faith, and then things not only happen in our lives, but they happen in the lives of those that we love those that we care for, those that are around us. May we operate 
and step in faith. In Christ's name, amen.